Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that accidentally leaks a secret layer through our main game client, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the colossal Dreadmaw herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, not doing too bad, thanks. Not much in the way of magic this week. I've been caught up with some other things. Um, But I did manage to sleeve up Jeskai eggs and goldfish with it a little bit, just to get my, you know, get my bearings. Because I've never really played eggs before, so it's just cool to go through Mm. the motions and just think how annoying I'm going to be to my opponent and just declare all the game actions. (laughs) In terms of content, I believe this is going up this week or next week. I haven't had a date yet. But I have a review going up over on IGN, which is a debut piece for IGN, um, mm. where I cover Fizban's Treasury of Dragons, the new D&D supplemental book. Mm. It's out on the 26th of October. Um, as the name suggests, it's all about dragons. So there's a lot of subclasses, items, uh, different kinds of dragons mm. to use in your campaign. So if you're really into dragons as part of Dungeons & Dragons, it's, it's a pretty good pickup. Um, otherwise, yeah. I'm still playing through Mega Man X and wondering how 10-year-old me was ever proficient in video games <laughs> ever. And also, I'm looking to take a day off next week to just have a baking day. This is something I like to do once in a while, just take some time out and, you know, just make a load of stuff in the kitchen. Thanks to the Great British Bake Off, I've become really, really inspired recently. So next week, I'm going to make a strawberry and rhubarb pie along with the quiche that I mentioned last week. So I got caught up in some things. So it's going to be nice. It's going to be a pie day of the egg and fruit (laughs) variety, it seems. Um, How about you? What's, What's new with you? Yeah, I'm good. One thing that's happened this week is I've finally gotten tired of having towers of cards just laying around my apartment. Uh, so I decided to get building. So I am now working on a pile of different deck ideas for Commander. So I'm using just the cards that I have laying about. So for example, I started putting together Aremi of the Dead Tide using cards that I own, just around here, not buying any others, and just sort of playing it out, seeing how it feels. And then if I need to pick up one or two bits, I'll just go on to card market and do whatever, you know. So the ones that I've done, like I said, Aremi of the Dead Tide is one. Exodus Auric Overlord is one that I started doing a while ago, but ended up getting frustrated with because I kept getting stuck going down the same path with it, but it's looking better now. Kalein, Reclusive Painter which is all like treasures and plus one plus one counters and a bit of sacrifice. And then Hogak for Golgari random graveyard shenanigans. So the more astute listeners will realize that that's an awful lot of decks with black in them. And that is because I did a retweet recently. I think it was from Rachel Weeks. And they laid out all the commanders. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do the same and take a photo and put it up. And I realized the only deck that I had with black in it was my Sir Conrad deck. Which, admittedly, you know, mono black, you can't get more black than that. But I decided to lean a little more into the colour and just make use of the stuff that I have as well. So, yeah, Aremi's just about done. Kalein is just about done. And they're playing and feeling really good. So I'm pretty happy about them. Outside of Magic, I've been trying to eat a little bit healthier. And I've had mixed success so far. So the big thing that I've started doing now is I buy salad ingredients, you know, like lettuce and carrots and so on. Mm-hmm. I wash and prep them and like put them into Ziplocs and stuff now. Yeah. So I'd like, and that's as soon as I get them. So they become the easiest thing to grab when I want to make, say like a meal or a snack or something. And that's really helped me to swap like, you know, grilled cheese for a, like a decent salad or whatever. Like I am working on making them like nice salads. Like I'm not just talking about like, oh, a bit of lettuce, a bit of tomato and some like salad cream or some crap. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm making like fresh dressings. I'm adding croutons and like different pulses croutons and chopped chicken, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's making a huge difference, to be fair. Now, I am still grabbing crisps and chocolate just because they're still there because I'm still buying them. So I am my own worst enemy. 
but I am getting more fruit and veg in, so like that's a plus, right? <laughs> yeah, the thing is with diet, it's all about small wins. So you can't just yeah. go, quote unquote, cold turkey straight away because then you're just more likely to fail, right? So you kind of got to wean mm. yourself into it. So adding stuff like salads and stuff is a good way to go because then they will replace yeah. all the uh, the crisps and stuff that you're buying. Not that they're bad to have once in a while sort of thing. It's, yeah. you know, you, you do what you want sort of thing. Yeah. You, you mentioned cold turkey, actually. That's probably a good one to add to. I can't get on with turkey. I find it way too dry. Not that I really eat meat anymore. Not because yeah. like I'm vegetarian. It's just I prefer non-meat stuff. It's probably going to angle yeah. that way at some point. But cheese is just a great placeholder on meat. Let's be honest. Like, halloumi's yeah. wonderful. Like, yeah, like this is the thing. Like, I regularly have like meat-free meals. And often meat free the days throughout the throughout the week. And again, I'm not vegetarian. Like I would still go and use say like a like a beef stock if I'm making something that requires it or whatever, you know. But on the whole, you know, this is what people are saying about like this is the kind of thing when they say plant based diet, you know, they're not saying like shun meat entirely. It's like, no, you can still have it. It's just like it, it shouldn't be something that's like front and center of every meal of every day because environmentally it's not very sustainable. Like, even when it comes to, like, you know, it, yeah, there's all the health benefits and stuff. Generally speaking, I personally love when I don't have to, like, wash everything in the goddamn house because I've touched some chicken. Yeah. Some raw chicken. Like, screw that. Like, I suspect I'll go vegetarian pretty soon. Just, like, because I had this the other day. I was like, I can't remember the last time I ate meat. Like, and that's not just Mm. through me being deliberate about it, it's just through. Of try like having eggs, having cheese instead mm-hmm. of having meat, and just preferring those foods, right? And yeah, but um, if I ever go vegetarian, it's not gonna be a case of oh, this thing's touched meat, therefore I can't have it, sort of thing, because that's way yeah. too, that's way too meticulous for me. Like f- for me, who is fairly strict, meticulous, yeah, yeah. that is way too meticulous for me. But I like the plant-based stuff's really good because at least in our part of the world, so you have stuff like fish, you have cod and chips, which is like bad fish, you know, and chips and stuff. Mm-hmm. Over here, it's instead of having bad fish and chips, you can have bad halloumi and chips, which just sounds yeah. great. Let's be honest, like halloumi's wonderful. I'm going to keep going on about halloumi. Um, <laughs> and we're quite lucky to have that sort of option over here. So it's just like, I'd just rather eat more cheese, thanks. Okay, bye. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> he doesn't love cheese. Uh, speaking about like plant-based stuff, I just happened to see this in a shop yesterday and I like this is completely unscripted. I just yes, have sure. to throw it in. So, you know the way they try and come up with, like, clever names for, like, you know, plant-based burgers that look and feel and taste like meat yeah. or whatever? I saw one for, for meatballs for, like, you know, making, like, a marinara or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> the name that they put on them in the in the supermarket was Cheat Balls. And I was just like, <laughs> is that just what you call, like, like scumbag exes? Like, is that, like, I don't like what kind of name is that who who okayed this who looked at cheat balls in an irish company like looked at cheat balls and went yeah listen sure cheat balls sounds great will we just hop that in there will we yeah put that on the shelves just sounds so seedy doesn't it it just sounds so (laughs) innocuous it's just like i mean i mean it is plant-based so it could be seedy it could be ah very good very very good (laughs) okay okay i love Um, i love i love my pasta and cheat balls for dinner like yeah (laughs) <laughs> spaghetti and cheap balls yeah. <laughs> um, oh, getting good. getting firmly back on the food topic because that's what we are now we're a food yeah, podcast, we're a food podcast. Uh, <laughs> I also this week uh, made my raisin jam well it's actually sultana jam I saw sultanas and was like I haven't had them in a while so yeah. I'll give them a go 
for the recipe, by the way, I will give it in case anyone likes the sound of it. Uh, it's 200 mils of orange juice, 150 grams of sultanas, some cinnamon, some nutmeg. Just bring it to a boil, simmer for 10 minutes, leave to cool and then blend it. That's literally it. Easy. It's Now, it's incredibly sweet. Don't go spreading this on toast. But for like meat and cheese boards or something like this is something that is yeah. probably the cheapest of its kind that you can make. But it's so, so flavorful. It brings out so much in like particularly like uh, more like salty cheeses and stuff. But yeah, yeah, real good. Imagine it blends like with the biscuits as well. Because I like my biscuits to have a bit of salt and pepper on them. Mm. Um, so I imagine that blends quite yeah. well with like the fattiness of the cheese and stuff. Will do. I like that. Yep. Might have to make it. Mm-hmm. Now, getting the show actually on track like uh, 10 oh, minutes in after yeah. the food talk. But you know. <laughs> I can have it this. Do we have housekeeping this week, Emma? We do have some housekeeping this week. So we would like to give a warm Ooh. welcome to Spencer Stack, who is the latest member of the Stonks tier on Patreon. Also, Ooh. a quick shout out to already Patreon member uh, Coffee, who's upgraded their tier and is also now a member of the Stonks tier. So thanks a lot, Spencer and Coffee. Uh, enjoy your benefits. Hopefully we're as delightful and charming mm. as we ever hope to be. Also, remember, if you are or you become a patron, we do get we do offer our episodes a day early now, so they go up on Wednesdays instead of Thursdays, along with all the other gobbins and show notes and guys that you get. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so this week it is my turn for card of the week and the card that I am going with is one that I found in my collection and put into my Aromi deck and then was very impressed by her in there and that is Young Necromancer. So Young Necromancer is from Modern Horizons 2, it's 4 and a black for a 2-3 human warlock and it reads when Young Necromancer enters the battlefield you may exile two cards from your graveyard and when you do you return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's a powerful reanimation. There's no restrictions or drawback. Exiling two cards from the bin is not a drawback. Let's be real. If you're looking to reanimate stuff, you have plenty of things in the bin anyway. The great thing about this is it can be blinked, brought back, copied, panharmonicond, because it's not a creature. And because there's no drawback, like Phyrexian Delver, you could do that already, but you'd be losing life in order to reanimate. With this, it's exile two cards from the bin. That's where you keep all your cards. It's fine, mm. you know? One thing that particularly impressed me, now I know this is a bit higher power, but I saw some Commander gameplay footage where an old Stick Fingers player made a combo, right? They played old Stick Fingers for X equals three, and they only have three creatures in the deck. There's Young Necromancer, uh, Razaket, and Wither Bloom Apprentice. They cast Stick Fingers for three, put all three in the bin. They then reanimate Necromancer, which brings back Razaket, which you then sacrifice Necromancer to Razaket to get a reanimation spell, to then re-reanimate the young necromancer, which then comes back, exiles two cards from the bin, brings back Witherbloom Apprentice, then you sack Necromancer again to get Chain of Smog, and then infinitely Chain of Smog your opponents to death with so the Witherbloom Apprentice. It's gross. <laughs> that is disgusting. It's gross. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's a thing. Uh, and it's all because of this one little... Two-cent card. Yeah, literally two cents. Literally like, two cents. Someone will probably just hand this to you if you ask them nicely. You'll probably <laughs> find it on a table after Modern Horizons 2 draft. Like, That's exactly that it. Yeah. So, moving on from the card of the week to this week's roundup. 
There's not a whole lot. There is, however, a historic ban and restricted announcement. Yes. So Brainstorm and Tibble's Trickery are now banned. Uh, memory Lapse is now suspended in historic. I don't um, get the point of suspensions. Let's just put it out there. It's just so that they can't give you back the wild yeah, cards. But still, it just seems a yeah. bit crummy, let's put it politely. Yeah. Yeah, and then there were five digital-only cards from Historic Horizons that were also rebalanced. There was Davriel Soulbroker, Davriel's Withering, Sarkin, Submersive Acolyte, and Phaseless Agent. So, cool. yeah, I mean, I got, I got to be honest, I don't play Historic like at all. Like, I've, I've accepted the fact that this is just something that monetarily is out of my reach because ugh, I can't put that much money into Arena, like, unless I'm, like all in on it as like the way in which I play magic which I'm very squarely not yeah I like, think for me I've gone off arena massively like it, it didn't take much to be honest same. and especially like I mentioned last week when we were talking about pioneer how historic and modern are becoming very similar they have similar characteristics yeah. right and I already play modern so why should I play historic I do question. I do know that they are different formats but it, it's got I, that like, flavor, hasn't it? Yeah, they, they started to just put an awful lot of stuff in there that gives it, a, like you said, a modern feel. So, like, if you want that feel of gameplay, you can pretty much just get it in modern just, anyway. So, like, I've, And I've been into modern much much more than historic because I've been into magic for yeah. the last seven years or whatever. So, of course, my roots are going to be in modern over historic. And I don't really want to rebuy yeah. everything. And That's maybe it. not get it because there's that as well. And it's just... just yeah. Nah. I don't, it just feels bad. Like, good on you yeah. if you want to, if you want to frame money at it. Be my guest, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Then moving on from that, we've got secret layer previews that had come up. There was a secret layer super drop. There was like Stranger Things. There was pixel art for the artifact lands. There was these cool creature anatomy things. It was like yeah. Gishat and and all sorts in there. There's a bunch of those. You can go check them out. I mean. We're not, we're not exactly walking advertisements for Wizards of the Coast. It's not no. like all that we do is just content that's solely based around their game, right? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> what do you think we talk about jams more often? Right. And then the other thing is that the Innistrad Crimson Vow previews start on the 28th. That right. is why it is kind of a different episode this week because <laughs> we're doing a Q&A. Now, we were already, a little bit of a look behind the curtain, we were already sort of like, not sure what we wanted to do for this week, like we had a couple of options, but none of them felt like they were like decent fits based on what was going on, because a lot of things at the moment, there's a bit of focus on standard, and there's, you know, the, like we said, the historic band and and all that sort of stuff, and that's not stuff that we're particularly invested in, so we weren't really sure what we were going to do this week, but then we got a slew of questions from the listeners so we decided that we're going to go with the Q&A and yeah. continue on with our usual programming next week instead yes so yeah Emma you are the question master as I am always. I'm the quiz master so. apparently so first question is from our newest patron Spencer Stack on the BMcast patron also if you have any questions feel free to DM us on our patron page we'll get back to you and we can put these on the on any yeah. episodes so they ask hey guys thanks for the great podcast I'm a newer player trying to build a few budget modern decks, but Googling stuff around is a little bit overwhelming. I was able to look at your deck list, so I'm wondering if you guys could tell me what you might swap out if you place Urza Sagas and Mistress Baubles into the Affinity deck. So the ones okay. we did were quite budget, didn't we? We removed mm. those cards, so they want to know what cards we'd add in for Urza Saga and stuff. So the Mistress Baubles, I believe you want to take out a couple of Welding Jars. For me, when it comes to baubles, uh, I don't think they belong in Affinity. I've never had success with them, personally. Um, I've always just 
had better luck with say like a nettle cyst or like additional welding jars or whatever but now again it does depend on you know the the metagame and stuff a lot of people play an awful lot of interactive decks right now some more welding jars i found to be good i put in a couple of like thought casts and that kind of thing in order to just get more card advantage instead of card velocity if you're looking to find replacements for Urza Saga or cards to take out if you get Urza Sagas um, they would probably just be a couple more of the artifact top lands and maybe a couple of the glimmer voids Spire of industry, that kind of thing. Yeah, you yeah. Wanna... So it depends on the flavor of affinity as well, right? Because you've got like Jeskai affinity, yeah. which is more the old school style, and then you've got Neoform affinity, which is more combo focused. Mm. So a lot of these lists tend to run like two Spire of Industries and like two Glimmer Voids. So you just want to run like two of those each and then cut out the basic if there is one. Um, and then, as you say, Scott, any of like the excessive sort of tap plans, because you want about six. I think six is like the right number. Also, I quite like uh, Mishra's Bauble in the Neoform list just because you have Magus of the Future and then you can kind of get an idea what's on top of your library, see if you want to, if it plays into that a little bit as well. Plus it's That's zero fair. mana as well, so it helps with the affinity costs. But I also get they're really, really expensive because Lyris exists. So. Yeah. Next question is from Kilgore Trout 503 on the BMCast Discord. Uh, they ask, I'm playing my first modern main event in Vegas next month. Any tips for playing eight plus rounds of Magic in a single day or for playing in a big tournament in general? This is uh, a good Yeah few things actually i've i've done a couple of couple of gps mm. in my time play burn uh play burn do is you big, like lunch one. <laughs> the thing is don't play and i don't i don't care how proficient or galaxy brain you think you are with a deck if you are playing a complex and difficult deck either get like 12 14 hours sleep beforehand and like continuously fuel yourself with like caffeine and snacks and stuff because you just simply will stop functioning properly after like round six. I find that a lot with control decks as well, unless you're proficient in them and that's all you played. So if you've been playing like Amulet Titan for the last five years, great, you're good. But if if you're just like, oh, I want to play Amulet Titan in a Vegas event, it's like, no, because your brain is just going to seep out of your ears and nobody wants that. Um, Same goes for control because obviously games can go quite long as well so Mm -hmm. if you're not proficient with control i don't recommend that either it's more important just to play what you're most comfortable with i think Mm. regardless of like meta games and stuff because what you're comfortable with means you'll enjoy it more as well and you're paying money to go play in this event (laughs) yeah i would also say fill your bag with uh like a couple of bottles of water snacks like decent snacks as well don't just be like a bag of crisps and like four bars of chocolate that's just not going to work. My rule for GPs or any big event is I take some bananas. Mm-hmm. I have a bag of nuts and raisins because mm-hmm. they they provide lots of energy. Some water, like was water, maybe like yeah. a um, like a Luxe Sport or a Gatorade for like later on. But that's pretty much my rule. And also just get a good night's mm-hmm. sleep. Don't party yeah. on Friday night as much yeah. as you want to. Or as is Vegas, I don't blame you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you could get wrecked the night before, go in with a massive hangover, and then just play like some aggressive deck, and then just don't think too hard about it. And everybody is going to be incredibly intimidated by your absolute nonplussed persona when you yeah. just walk in and you're like, whatever, turn sideways, turn sideways, turn sideways. Are you dead? Cool. Yeah, I did that. I did that at a PPTQ once, and I came nice. second. So that <laughs> nice. actually <laughs> that, that turned out all right. So. <laughs> Yeah, I turn, and this was standard. I turned forward like three rounds in a row. Nice. I turned forward my opponents. It was great. Yeah, I felt terrible, and I, I, c- I could barely keep down a Burger King. <laughs> but like you know, um, <laughs> yeah, 
there, there, there's my suggestions, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not advocating you to go and get wrecked. Don't do that. Okay. Um, just smart. do whatever you're most comfortable with, really. But just drink, like, not even just on the day. Drink water, like, the day before as well because that hydration does carry over. And have some caffeine, but not too much because caffeine does dehydrate you. And also they have a second question of how do I figure out what goes in my trade binder? I forgot what one of those is because of pandemic. It's really weird to think the trade binders exist. Yeah, pandemic. I would probably say put in some stuff that you are looking to get rid of sooner than later. Yeah. You know, because you can walk up to someone and just be like, here's my binder. What do you give me for it? You know, yeah. and th- like most stores will just buy it off you. I know a friend of mine, uh, Ushin, he went to Birmingham, GP Birmingham, like a couple of years ago with a box full of like random like rares and mythics and value cards and junk and all sorts. Mm. And he just like handed it in and they gave him like two or three hundred quid. And he was like, Grand, I'm just going to like buy a bunch of fetches or whatever it is. And, you know, so you can do that as well. You can just bring along a pile of crap and then just drop it at the nearest vendor and be like, money, please. I have seen people at GPs with those big white boxes, you know, the ones that sort of LGSs Mm. have to store singles in, like three of those and just go, here you go. Yeah. And what I normally do in like for event, like if I'm going to a GP, I just save stuff throughout the year and just be like, yeah, here's a big box. I'll buy some, buy some cube foils or something. Just because like... Going back to the intro when you were saying oh, I've got piles of cards everywhere and I'm like, I just want to minimize that as much as possible because they just get mm. everywhere after a while and I'm like, I don't need this stuff. I see it as like an annual clear out, I guess. Yeah. That's how I treat it. So we have a question from that diff on the BMCast Discord. They ask, is there a standard format in Magic's history you wish you could go back in time and play? Out of anything? Any standard um, format. I'll probably go for something broken. You know, like back with affinity or maybe like the memory jar shenanigans or something like that something busted because like standard formats are when they're not broken they're just grand like you never sit around and be like god this feels so good to be playing standard you're just like standard is a thing yeah it's there you know if i could relive uh when i started magic back with amicat that would be cool because mm, I remember there being like loads of really weird decks. Like there was a Turbo Fog deck. There was Mono Red. There was the the Dynavol Tower control decks and stuff. Yeah. Like there was the all sorts Dynavolt of dumb Tower stuff. Six. Yeah, they were pretty. Yeah, fun. like I'd probably go back to that. I'd say maybe. How about you? Um. So this is a hard one. So I hear a lot of like pro players and people talk about Innistrad Return to Rav Standard and how good it was. Mm. And I'm like kind of just want to see what the big deal is about like why was this so good because that was like two three years before i got into magic so i I completely Mm -hmm. missed it so i'm like everyone goes on about how it's such a great time for magic like it was the pinnacle of like standard because there wasn't anything super busted there was just lots of good cars and it was quite open so that Mm. that would pique my interest and in terms of reliving a standard format it would probably have to be the the period where i could play blue white monument which would be amonkhet era because that is probably my favorite standard deck i've ever played so just you know playing spell colors in standard was great Mm. it's a good time please reprint uh ketra's monument in standard (laughs) thanks i know i know it doesn't work but just reprint it thanks you know what you can you can have a return to amon cat and i would only be the happiest boy on the planet let's go so that also has a second question which kind of leans in kind of nicely is congrats was this the case of chosen you yes you and me to design one card from Crimson Vow. What does it do and why? Well, I think, knowing me, I think it would want to have something to do with card draw because I do love card draw. 
Yes. And, you know, if it's thematic, because it's in Crimson Vow, so it would yeah. have to be, like, something related to either the set or the plane. So, like, I'm a sucker for flashback. I'm sure you're aware of this. I'm a big I'm sucker for flashback. So, you know, and because there's vampires and stuff, there's probably going to be madness and everything. So I would probably mm. say maybe one mana, draw two, discard two, and then <laughs> maybe flashback for two and a red. Yeah, that, seem, that seems fair and balanced. That seems really I would good. Go with that. That, I think that yeah. might be more than playable, you know. Maybe, yeah. yeah I would maybe. go with that, personally. Yeah, nice. What about you? Um, mine would be... Uh, so I'm going to riff it. Like, I did this with Midnight Hunt, so I'm mm. going to riff it again. So I'd, I'd have a like, a like a red one-mana one-two. Then when it ETBs, it makes a clue token and call it, okay. like, Jugular Inspector or something, and it'll be, like, a vampire soldier. Okay. Because I just want Thraven Inspector back in, in standard. And it's a crime. We haven't had color shifted ones yet. And I will fight that. Because I didn't get my zombie one, so I'm going for a vampire one this yeah. time. <laughs> It'd probably be a 2 1 instead of a 1 2 if it was red. Probably, right? yeah, if it's 2 1. Yeah. Like it'll be, yeah. it, it would be like, you know, fine as a 1 drop. It'll be okay. Yeah. So, survey token asks on the BM cast Discord How many games do you typically get in with a new deck before you deciding it's one that you want to keep or not? And do you ever proxy cards before buying as well? So sometimes zero. Uh, sometimes I just build a deck and I'm like, you know what? Good vibes. Let's go. <laughs> and then like, you know, I'll tweak it over time or whatever. Because like, I know that my deck building skills are to a certain level that I'm not going to build something that actually doesn't function. You know, I know that I'm going to build something that's going to be fine, at least. And I like sort of just diving in. And I, you see, I don't normally dive into something expensive. It's normally like, you know, an 80 or or $100 list at most. And I tend to have a lot of the cards already. So I'll just dive in, I'll do it. And then I'll, you know, piecemeal upgrade it over the next few weeks or whatever or months and, you know, go from there and, and see it evolve and stuff. Like, that's what I'm doing with Slowgurk. Mm. I basically just flat out build the deck, you know. But uh, there are times where, you know, for example, if I'm going to put up a list for like an article or something, I would definitely goldfish it maybe like at least 10 times or whatever and make sure that it is definitely functional because I'm fine with having a deck that's going to maybe be a little subpar and I fix over time. But if I'm going to produce a deck list for like a product, like an article or an episode or something, I want to make sure that it actually definitely does the thing, you know? So, yeah. And when it comes to proxying, I will proxy literally anything I can or need to at the time. Proxying is great. Yeah, for me, when I did the modern on the budget stuff for TCG Player and, you know, creating these deck lists, like the the budget sort of, you know, meat and bones, I would play them for like, like on Modo, so I played them on Magic Online for like a dozen or so games just to get an idea Mm -hmm. and then think, oh man, like something's not right here. I need to try something else. Then I'll go over again sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm probably at like the dozen-ish mark. But it kind of depends on the format and what I'm playing. So, because I like I like borrowing decks of people, especially in modern. I like to try different things because it helps expand your knowledge. And modern's very rewarding on knowledge, so I like trying different things. And if there's like, for example, if I'm playing like Dredge, for example, and I'm like, oh, I could see myself playing this. I could see myself investing into this. That mm. just could be because the matchups are good. I'm winning a lot because that can contribute to it as well. So I take, yeah. I spent, I normally like go to a couple of FNMs with it and just figure out like, do I actually want to buy this? Or is it just, you know, like the honeymoon period? And yeah. even then, like proxying it is fine because you have stuff like Spell Table now and you can just play over webcam. So you don't need to have the yeah. physical cards. So as long as you need, mm-hmm. really, because I understand not everyone has disposable income and making that investment is a big deal. So yeah. there is no rush, really. Um, but yeah. 
So Joe Cheney asks on the BMCast Discord, how do you feel about the universes beyond and are you concerned how the upcoming Lord of the Rings set would gel with modern? Nah, I feel fine with it. I'm fine with it. Like... It means it means I can name Hobbit with cavernous souls and get people. <laughs> it's fine, to be honest. Like the original idea that Richard Garfield had for magic was that it would be a framework upon which you can place uh, mm. another IP or whatever, like it, yeah. it is supposed to be just a base system on which you base everything else. So, like, if you want to talk about Magic as Garfield intended, this is literally Magic as Garfield intended. And yeah. also, as far as, like, how Lord of the Rings set will gel with modern, that kind of thing, ugh, like, it's it's high fantasy. Magic's reasonably high fantasy. It's fine. Like, yeah. it's close if it enough. Gets, if it gets more people into Magic, I'm all for it. That too. And that's yeah. the main thing. Um, so Dalek Kosh from the BMCast Discord asks, uh, we've had partner, we now have friends forever, thanks to the Stranger Things secret lair. How would you describe someone you'd want to share the command zone with? Mates, yeah. <laughs> yeah, friends, buddies. No, 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 chums. hold on a second. My deck has mates. <laughs> <laughs> you have mates. Mates tribal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stat Bob Boral asks on the BMCast Discord, you're lending a modern deck to Angelo because he forgot Eldrazi Tron at home. Like, what are you doing, Angelo? Um, what deck is he playing for FNM? He is playing Is It Phoenix with the Faithless Looting in it, and he's going to get himself DQ'd. <laughs> that is so petty, but I love it absolutely so much. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'd give him Dredge because I know how much he also hates Dredge, and with Faithless Looting as well, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, though, I, w- I would probably, like, if I had to pick, like, one of my decks to give him, I would probably give him, like, blue-red prowess, but, like, you know. If I had, like, if, if it look a deck I physically own, it would probably be Neoform Affinity, if we're being okay. serious for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, Evie the Mage 97 us on Twitter. With spooky season about to come to a close, what are your plans for Halloween? Right, so, Halloween here in Ireland. Let me tell you how unbelievably Americanized Halloween is because it's trash here. Uh, so originally Samhain was the old Irish like uh, holiday. I'm not a historian. I'm not very well up on it myself. I know the name. I know that's where it comes from. It's from Ireland. And it's kind of been just taken into all sorts of different weird ways and like mm. heavily commercialized and stuff. So everything that you think about with Halloween, that's incredibly American. That doesn't really happen here. What happens here is there are huge bonfires, often just in fields or in like streets or maybe on someone's car. You never know. It depends on like where in Dublin you are or where in the rest of the country you are. And then there's just loads of fireworks scaring the absolute bejesus out of everyone's pets. Yeah. And it's generally really not pleasant. All while all of the shops are still like trying to push Christmas stuff on you. So the whole thing is very messed up and weird and it's terrible. The whole thing is terrible. So I'm going to have nothing to do with it. And I'm going to treat it like it's another normal night, except with headphones on so that I don't hear the, it honestly sounds like a war zone here. Like I'm in the center of Dublin. It sounds like an absolute war zone. So I'm just going to watch stuff or play games with headphones on and pretend it's not happening. Yeah, it's like Halloween over here is very similar. Like we have like pumpkins and stuff in shops and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but it's just not that of a big deal here. Like we have Guy Fawkes Night like the week after, so our fireworks tends to happen then, which was also not great because fireworks suck. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm like doing nothing. I'm seeing some friends that weekend, but it's not because of Halloween. It's just 
happens to fall on that weekend. Yeah. yeah, like I don't, I can't get excited for Halloween. So sorry, Angelo, because I know he's he's quite big on Halloween, but yeah, it's really missed the mark because we're not American. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also have to say, uh, any Americans or just non-Irish people listening to this, if you see the word S-A-M-H-A-I-N, that is Samhain, it is not Samhain, shut up, you sound like absolute idiots. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. It's okay. Samhain. Easy. Sorry. Maybe the mage has a second question. Um, in the same vein, do you ever build a wacky deck for a certain time of the year, or is that too niche or cute? Nah, nah. Nah, I don't. It's it's yeah. a lot of effort. I considered doing like a Christmas deck at one point. So yeah. it'd be in, in Naya colours because I got yeah. the holiday card like last year. And I was like, oh, I could do a Christmas deck. And I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of effort. Just for, yeah. I'd rather go with themes and times, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Also, it takes me so long to build a deck because I labour over it so much that yeah. by the time I have the deck built, that time has passed. <laughs> uh, we have a question from Joe Parlock on Twitter. They asked, Best legendary elephant, so out of Quintorius, Lachille, Hamza, and Frankie Peanuts, which is the best elephant? Go. I would say Hamza. I like how they I'm gonna play. I'm gonna go Quintorius, but I'm biased because you would. Yeah. Elephant's cute, and I kind of want to build a commander deck out of it at some point. Do it. Um, and then Coffee asked on the BMcast Discord, "What is the strangest place you've played Magic at?" For me, it was at a hookup bar with a nightclub in it. Um, nothing really comes to mind for me. I think I played in like a few basements, but that's like LGS basements, so it's not really weird. It was a bit um, musty, granted, but I wouldn't say it was weird. I would say, off the top of my head, maybe while myself and Leanne were on the plane to Japan, we played a couple games. I played on I like guess. a train. Yeah. Does like, that count? Like. Yeah. Yeah, see, like, this feels like this was a different question where they just replaced played magic at with something else, like, significantly more not safe for work. And, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you know. Or is that a euphemism? Is, is magic not the actual t- what oh, we think oh, it is here? Is, it, is this like, you know, I play magic in the bedroom and then you walk in with a couple of play mats and they're naked and you're like, wait, hold on, what? Yeah. It's like, where's your dick, bro? <laughs> Um, and then lastly, we have a question from MTG Strategist of Twitter. They ask, if you're going to add a third person to the BM cast, who would it be? I was thinking that oh. guest that we had fairly recently, you know, you know the one. Mm. That Gavin yeah, the guy. American. Um, the Gavin yeah. the Hay, right? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's good people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's all right. I think he's a bit busy, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah. The best thing is, though, he, he's not spooky. He's not spooky at all. Yeah, like... I don't think yeah. he's really into like Halloween that much, so you know we don't have to deal mm. with the, the the you know the big deal about Innistrad constantly and cubes and mm. you know and I don't think yeah. he has a cat either. Come to think of it, so you don't want yeah to get any commentary on that either. Yeah, because you do hear about these like magic creators that have cats and like yeah like weirdly photogenic cats as well. Yeah. And they keep going on about how it's their son. They have this weird parental sort of bond, and mm, mm. It seems a bit. Yeah, they, weird, they, the cat the cat looks like they would be a villain, but like an attractive villain. Yeah. Well, the, well, but believe like imagine like a cat wearing like a bow tie, right? Like bow ties mm. are pretty like sus and pretty sinister. Like who would do that to their cat? Like why mm. would you? I just don't know. Like it seems yeah. a bit weird, right? Yeah, I don't know. But I yeah, just, like you said, like you said, Gavin's probably a little busy. So like, 
you know oh you know what I've actually seen Gavin wear a bow tie at the odd time so like you oh, know, that's, really? that's, okay. that's questionable that's questionable okay. you know what okay. well, <laughs> well I, I guess we'll have to go with Angelo you know yeah I guess so <sighs> yeah alright with his cro- crocs and all <laughs> with his crocs and socks the crocs old dad special <laughs> I have no words I don't know how much of this is going to make it into the episode but like I'm going to stop Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the cheering fanatics here we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, and Matthew O'Neill. And at the Stonks tier we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker. Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Mickey Paris, Mark Davis, Coffee, and Spencer Stack. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. And we'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your book. Thank you for listening. Please share your faith in that. Let's listen to my handcast.